Hey fam, you're listening to a podcast from Every Nation Campus, Katipunan. We hope that this message will help us know and follow Jesus and grow in our walk with Him. Let's continue to change the campus and change the world. Enjoy! Good afternoon, welcome to the Victory Katipunan Online Youth Service. My name is Michael, I'm one of the pastors here at Victory Katipunan and I'm very excited to join you this afternoon for the youth service and we're almost at the end of our series called Kaya Paba, which is a look at Hebrews 10 to 12 and where we are finding that Christianity as a faith best prepares us for crisis and suffering because it helps us see suffering from a divine perspective in order to know what truly is happening in the midst of a crisis and not just be focused on circumstances and what's happening around us. In fact, uh, in those three chapters, uh, 10, 11, and 12 Hebrews, uh, the word endure uh, appears six times. Um, And see, understand, suffering is suffering. Whether you're a Christian or not, suffering affects you in the same way. Itong coronavirus na to, at saka yung the economic recession that comes along with it, walang pinipili yan, right? I mean, whether it's the fear of getting infected, the anxiety, the economic recession, the lost jobs, I mean, it doesn't ask the question, are you a believer or not? It affects all of us in the same way. But the difference is the believer, the Christian, carries with him an eternal hope, an, an, a hope that is anchored on the eternal and in eternity versus those who don't follow God whose entire hope is, is pinned on everything this world has to offer, which is precisely what all of this crisis has totally erased. All right? And so there's a lot to cover, so I'm going to go straight into our message. If you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to read verses 5 to 7 and then jump to verse 11. Verse 5, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by Him. For the Lord disciplines the one He loves and chastises every son whom He receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Jumping to verse 11, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later... It yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Okay, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are with us this afternoon. Lord, we submit to the truth of your word, no matter how difficult or even painful it may be. And so we ask that you sink deep into our spirits and our hearts. The eternal truths that we're about to talk about um, this, this afternoon, from your word, again, we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So I want to share with you three ways in order to have hope that is anchored on the eternal and in eternity. Number one, look to Jesus. You know, last week, we talked about the first few verses of Hebrews chapter 12. And verse 2 says, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. In fact, the very basic premise of the entire book of Hebrews 
is the identity of who Christ is. And therefore, on the, on the basis of that identity alone, we should be able to endure whatever trial or suffering or crisis. Yun lang yun. Just if we consider who Christ is, should be, enough, should be enough reason for us to get through any crisis or trial. Because if the very founder of our faith himself went through suffering and trial, that is, and if we are his followers, that already explains everything. See, the cross not only <coughs> excuse me, paid for our sins, it transformed our suffering. In that we don't suffer for suffering's sake through the cross, through Jesus' victory, through his resurrection. Whatever suffering, all kinds of suffering and trial we go through now have meaning. It has significance. In fact, Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, that he considers everything a loss in order that he might know Christ, that he might gain Christ and share in the sufferings of Christ. Peter in 1 Peter chapter 4 said, when we suffer for Christ and in faith, the glory of God rests upon us. In other words, when we suffer, we identify with Christ. Now, the Bible promises provision and prosperity and victory. Yes, that's all in the Bible. But very interestingly, it's not in the victories where we identify with Christ. It's in His suffering. After all, Jesus is the suffering servant, not the rich ruler. And so one level of meaning for suffering is that we belong. We identify with Christ. We suffer just as our Lord, our Savior, suffered. And so whatever our suffering is deserved or undeserved, just or unjust, we get to know Christ. We gain Christ and we share in His suffering. Therefore, in suffering, we identify with Christ. Number two, we look to Christ. Number two, we look inside. And in particular, we look to our character. See, again, the passage we just read talks about how God is able to take whatever suffering we're going through and use it to form us as His children. Paul in Romans 8 said that as children of God, we are heirs with Christ as we suffer with Christ. See, the word that's translated into discipline in English, which we just read in Hebrews 12, in the Greek carried both the meaning of being corrected and chastised as well as being trained and educated. So godly discipline is not simply being corrected, it is being formed into somebody. So suffering and crisis and trials and the discipline that God does through it is not merely punitive. It is formative. And I guess the best way I can explain it is that someday, years from now, when you become parents yourselves, it would be good for you and your spouse to identify certain values that you want to instill in your children. And my wife and I, because, I mean, in other words, the entire Bible obviously is true. and It's all full of values. But 
it would be good to identify which values you prioritize in your family. And so early in our marriage, my wife and I, uh, we decided that among other things, we, want, we wanted our children to value truth above all else because we wanted them uh, to become men and women of the Word of God. If you know our children, Sophia, Christina, and Luis. And so whenever they disobeyed or crossed the line, they would be disciplined. But when they lied, they received a double portion of the discipline. Again, in our effort to instill, instill an appreciation for the truth in their hearts. And so whenever they lied, they were disciplined, one, because they were corrected, but number two, because it's a double portion, so that they were being formed into padereses. Therefore, suffering in Christ and for Christ forms the image and the character of God in our lives. See, when we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and are born again, our lives are blank slates. It's like a brand new infant who's born. It's a blank slate. And that's when the process of formation and discipleship begins. And in God's sovereign wisdom and grace, suffering plays a big part in us being formed into the image of God so that we reflect Him into the world. Think about it this way. Would Abraham have become the father of the faith had his faith first not been tested through the sacrifice of his son? Would Joseph have become the ruler of Egypt had he first not been betrayed, sold into slavery, and uh, forgotten, left to rot, in prison would job would we be reading about job today had he first not had everything that was precious taken away from him so that he would choose to bless the name of the lord whether when when god would give to him or when even when god takes away from him and so another level of meaning and hope is that in suffering and trials is that we are formed as god's children and so, in suffering, we are formed into the image of Christ. So we look to Christ, we look inside of us, and third, we look to the future. Again, going back to that earlier verse, verse 2 of Hebrews 12, it says, It was for the joy that was set before Christ that He endured the cross. What was that joy? It was our salvation. In other words, Jesus endured the cross for, a, for the hope of a future reward. Your salvation and my salvation. And that together, when we come together as a community in the future, we would form the body of Christ, His image here in this world. Hebrews 11 says, Abraham, even though he was in the promised land that was promised to him, lived in tents like a stranger and an alien. Why? Because he was looking forward to a city whose architect and builder is God. Abraham understood this life, this world is not it. There is still coming the fullness of his inheritance in heaven. And so as believers, we live in today's reality with a hope anchored in eternity. 
see the phrase Judgment Day because of Hollywood, you know, Terminator 2, uh, I don't know, Zombie Apocalypse has taken on a different meaning today. It's a dark end of the world, uh, I don't know, uh, when everything will disappear, sickness, disease, blah, blah, blah. But in the Bible, uh, Judgment Day brings on hope because Judgment Day is a day of reckoning. Uh, it's a day of redemption. That's when Jesus Christ will come back as the conquering king and when every man and woman will receive what is due him or her. That's when we will receive the fullness of our inheritance. Sa Tagalog, yun yung araw ng pagtutuos. That is what will strengthen you toward in living life today. It's that that day will one day arrive. Not here. Not now. And again, going back uh, to my son, Luis, when he was small, he hated vegetables. And like any responsible parent, we fed them with a balanced diet. Diba? Kanin, ulam, gulay. And again, because he ate vegetables, what Luis would do, he, was, he would eat the vegetables first. Okay? Not because he loved vegetables, but because he hated vegetables. So he wanted to get over the worst part quickly. And then he saved the best for last. Especially kung favorite ulam niya, like, so he would eat the vegetables and then he would save the best part for last. He would end with his favorite ulam. That's kind of how looking to the future works. We're able to get through the worst part, this life, this world first, because we know the best is yet to come. In fact, it's an unrealistic expectation of this world that compounds our suffering. When we expect our inheritance to come in this world, through the things of this world, that's when we become disappointed, frustrated, angry, and bitter. And that's why the Bible says not to lay our treasures in this world, where moth and rust destroy, but in heaven. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. We don't live for this world. We are holding out for the heavenly city. In contrast, Hebrews 11 says of the men and women of faith, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city. Verses 14 to 16. See, when we understand and live that knowing our inheritance lay in eternity, and not in this world, it gives us hope. But not just any hope, but a living hope. A hope that is alive through any suffering and trial, but a hope that is also for day-to-day -day living. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter 1, 3-7, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, 
who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. Though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter said, we're born again into a living hope, not by looking to this world, but by looking to our eternal inheritance that is unfading, that is imperishable, that is undefiled. In suffering, we have the assurance that our full inheritance lay in eternity and not in this world. So now, given this living hope, how then do we respond as believers to our present suffering? In fact, let me be specific. Huwag natin pag-usapan yung coronavirus and economic recession. Medyo madali na yun, sa totoo lang. Let's talk about the current perceived social injustice that we are going through as brought on by the government. What does possessing a living hope mean during a time like this, living in a nation like this? Do we just grin and bear it? Okay. Well, first of all, some bad news. All human institutions are fallen. No matter where that institution is, no matter how noble it is, no matter who is leading it, it's fallen because all of man is fallen. Okay. So again, how do we, what does it mean to be a believer? Enduring social injustice. Well, again, number one, look to Jesus Christ. The greatest act of injustice was the cross, criminally, politically, and spiritually. How did Jesus respond to this great injustice? Let's look at him. Let's look at his faith. How do we identify with him, with his response today in the context of the current social injustice number two look inside you okay look to our character again the bible says as children of god we are born of the spirit and this spirit produces the fruits of the spirit love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control so when you look at your response to the current suffering social injustice coronavirus economic recession are you responding according to the fruits of the Spirit? And by the way, going back to the social injustice, I've seen the arguments on both sides. Okay. And my question to you is, is your response biblical or is it ideological? Can people look to you and how you've responded and say, this is what it means to respond as a man or a woman of God? Again, look to Jesus, look inside you, and third, look to the future. Where are you laying your treasures? Have you parked all of your hope in this world? Are you expecting all the righteousness, the peace, the joy, and the justice that you hunger for? Are you expecting everything to be fulfilled here in this world? 
to the institutions built by man? Or have you laid your treasures in eternity in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy? Is the testing of your faith resulting in glory to God? See, again, the power of Christian suffering is in the hope that we bear. And throughout the whole Testament, when you look at hope, hope is always future-oriented. It's never present. It's never here. It's never in this world. It is always hope in God and hope in our future reward. Christians never anchor their hope on the present or the things of this world. That's our hope in suffering. It is redemptive. It has meaning. We don't suffer for suffering's sake. But in the midst of suffering, we can gain Christ. In the midst of suffering, we are formed in Christ. And in the midst of suffering, we are holding out for what is truly ours, what truly belongs to us, the fullness of our reward and inheritance in eternity. And so in closing, again, let me challenge you. Look to Jesus. Look inside you. And look to the future. God bless you all and hope to see you soon. You just listened to a podcast from Every Nation Campus Katipunan. For more details, you can find us on Facebook.com, Twitter.com, and Instagram.com slash ENCampusKatip. Or just simply search in these websites, Every Nation Campus Katipunan. We hope to see you there. Take care and God bless.